so I wasn't going to do it. I typically avoid conversations, especially on outlets like this, about my thoughts on current events unless I'm doing like a YouTube live chat with a group of people. I have conversations like this all the time with uh, people I know that I've talked to a lot about this, especially David Robertson of the Disagreeable Thoughts and Philosophies of DMR Publications. We had a conversation tonight, and I kind of thought, well, this term has come up again. I think I'm going to address it. I don't like doing it because when I have a group of people, I can have a little chat and a little discourse, and we can kind of negotiate the conversations, where here's just me. So I'm going to go ahead and give my thoughts based on a question asked on YouTube yesterday, where I was asked, please tell us what you think is really going on right now and where you think this is headed, because I think that there's going to be some sort of attack on the White House, which is what this poster asked me. And in a lot of ways, kind of don't think he's necessarily that wrong, depending on where things go. Things could be a lot worse. They definitely could be. But we're in a cycle of events that has been tracked for actually over two centuries. And things going on right now have been forecasted by some really smart guys. And it matches certain patterns that have happened historically and throughout the world. And that's what I'm going to talk to you right here on Gray Man Hiding in Plain Sight. Welcome to Gray Man Hiding in Plain Sight. I am your host, and here we talk about the Gray Man concept. As in the description of the podcast, occasionally I will talk about things involving security and regional activity that may or may not necessarily directly connect to the entire purpose of how I design this show. But at a minimum, giving you some of my thoughts and opinions on what's going on right now, one thing you can at least look at is how I think about it and why. Going back to my previous episode where I talked about mental toughness and what these guys do to maintain their sanity, if I didn't mention it, one of the things we always do is try to continue learning. And we typically, even after our service to the country is done, a lot of us will choose to continue to follow information in regions or across the globe based on what we know and what we did historically in our jobs. Some guys just throw it all in the can and move on with their lives. I just wasn't one of them. To start with, I think you should look up a guy named Peter Turchin. He's came out in a couple articles recently. His last name is spelled T-U-R-C-H-I-N. You were looking for an article he wrote in 2010, forecasting massive civil unrest in 2020. In short, he compiled data from the late 18th century all the way up to 2010. He collected and compiled data from violent and nonviolent demonstrations, mostly in our country, but also in other areas around the world and looked at cycles of things that happen, leading up to what he now was recently asked, where's the next step going? And he said, possibly a civil war. Now, I don't like that term. I don't like it for a couple reasons. Number one is, in America, we see the term civil war. Our first thought is the American Civil War, and we forecast civil war as basically two large sides of people backed by a government and then a large group of people or states who secede from the Union or form some sort of coalition to stand up against the government, pick their own flags and uniforms, and then we go at it. But if you look at civil wars around the world, historically and both ongoing, it actually follows somewhat of a different process. One of the things you see is, of course, civil unrest and demonstrations. You see a group of people that you could, by definition, consider revolutionaries, and in many cases they are. And what they do is excel their demonstrations significantly. 
Now, these revolutionaries or protesters tend to be of one of two major political parties within those countries. Some countries actually have three or more, depending on the size of the country. It's not always liberals. It's not always conservatives. It can be either or, usually going against whatever's happening in their government. You research it enough, you'll find out that there's a lot of things that happen in these governments that unless they were long-standing governments of a certain type of ideology or perhaps a monarchy, that they change regularly somewhat like ours do. But it gets to the point where enough things either haven't changed or they're just getting away with enough, they kind of stand up, protest, and then often those demonstrations turn violent. Sometimes it's not politics, sometimes it's religion, sometimes it's other things. Now, where they go from there is they typically become armed and take up armed and defensive positions and start to occupy territory and try to either secede, call it their own location, do whatever they can to make their own stuff and make their own rules and try to stand up against the existing institution. And I say institution because it isn't always the government. One of the things to note, too, is it looks a lot similar than or similar to what it is now in this country because we see things on the news. We research it very little typically, and we think there's two sides and everybody's part of the two sides. And a lot of locations in those countries have no idea what's going on or they support certain ideologies, but they're not actively participating or involved. We find historically they have state-controlled media or few media outlets owned by either some rich person or controlled by some other external force. The point being that just like we see here, whatever their existing media or news outlet is tends to only give a certain part of the story and most people don't track how contradictory it is to historical beliefs. Now, why that's very general, let's look at some more specifics that actually mirror or complement similar actions and things that have happened in other countries. One of the things to note is typically when these things finally happen or begin to potentially happen, there's some sort of crisis that precedes it. Most cases, it's some sort of act of war or violence by large groups of people, whether it's a coup, an insurgency, terrorist act, or just a large-scale war. Sometimes it's disease, like here we have COVID-19. Sometimes it's major political change, whether it happened legitimately or not. So what happened with that with COVID? Despite anybody's thoughts on where the virus came from or what's going on, one of the things to look at is how it really disrupted or destroyed the quality of life of many Americans, regardless of their beliefs, opinions, or financial status. If you haven't looked much into it, you can, and you can find very easily that there are many small businesses that just don't exist anymore. Just due to the closures, they just don't exist. There's people still out of work. There's places in different parts of the country where the virus is expanding. Here in Arizona, we're actually on a no-travel ban to certain states now because we've had a rapid increase in cases. We have massive changes in medical procedures. You know, Dr. Fauci came out and said that one of the reasons they didn't tell anybody to wear masks in the beginning is because they knew there wasn't enough for the medical teams. So did they lie to us? Yeah, I'd argue that they did. And they believe that it is going to help us. But that's what they did. Then the other things we see with this outbreak is the mass panic. We see people doing things because they're panicking and they don't know what to do. And we saw stores out of supplies and materials. And there's still places where there's limits on items you can purchase, even online places. We saw things like the prepper idea, the people that prepare for events like this, which all the prepper is, is what probably most of our either parents or grandparents did 
where they had extra supplies and food because it wasn't always available. You didn't have as much as you have now. People gardened, people canned, they did all these things. People don't do that as much anymore. So the idea of the prepper came along. Now we have people that typically are leaning more towards the left that never followed that idea that we're doing it more, buying more supplies, being more prepared in case things happen. Okay, so that sounds like a good idea. Another thing we're seeing right now is record sales of equipment items that we haven't seen at this record in a long time. Those things I'm talking about are firearms and what we might call tactical gear. So if you're like me, you've probably seen this. Many of you haven't. If you go online, especially if you know where to look and see places that sell things like body armor, tactical gear, especially firearms, you'll find that current sales in the last few holidays have not been as great as they have been in the past. And it's because they're selling in record numbers. The places that are out of stock or items that are, you can buy them, but they're going to tell you when they are in stock because there's a shortage. And you can find out very easily that there's a lot more people that are more left, liberal or Democrat, whatever you want to call them, that typically didn't do this that are buying these things now, which a lot of it's for their own protection. So that's a good thing too, it sounds like. Now, while I said this can get a lot worse, I wouldn't say we're at the tipping point. We're at the point of seeing what happens next. Where does this go? One of the things historically that's happened in these events, and especially if you look up the Spanish Civil War, you'll probably learn some interesting things that'll surprise you. You'll find that one of the things that happens we talked about is how people tend to occupy and take over territory in their country. Now, like many of you, I see all the memes from both sides of political parties making fun of whatever and people protesting and whether or not people like the Confederate flag or whether or not Antifa or BLM is legit or doing whatever and Chaz is a joke out there in Seattle. I get all that, but look farther into it. Sure, the autonomous zones that were started in Portland, North Carolina got torn down, although I think they're still going for it. There's four or five other locations where autonomous zones are starting or have started. There's several locations, especially in autonomous zones, where people supporting those have shown up to guard and protect them wearing body armor and they are armed with firearms. Now, nothing's really happened there yet, but that is happening, and it's happening in more places in Seattle. Seattle is just the first one. That's why that's what we see on the news all the time. You'll find that in many of these places, the law enforcement is backing down, whether they do it by choice or order or force to, which tends to be the situation. You'll find historically in these actions, when these things happen, the existing enforcement agencies in these other countries and even our own have backed down, especially in the ones where they led to an eventual larger scale problem. You'll also find that the reason they backed down was under good intentions. The situation was large enough in enough places that you can't really control the people without coming in with large amounts of force, which people don't want to do. What happens if you do that? Sure, you could probably stop it. You could probably make some changes, but then people are going to ask what's next on both sides. People are going to forecast what's next. We already know the negative things that will be said, even if it's done correctly. We also know that many people have different opinions about it. So that's a huge problem that's looked at today, especially in the media, is how is this going to be broadcast? What's it going to do to our country? The other thing we've seen, too, prior to the Trump administration, we saw a lot of patriot groups do similar armed standoffs in different areas. The one thing about their locations, they tend to be isolated. So they go in, they can shut off cell service, shut off services, kind of blockade them in and just wait them out until they get hungry, essentially. That's going to be hard to do in these autonomous zones and cities where they're extorting money from the local people and stealing supplies, as well as being supported by people in those local areas. Also, if you go into a place like Seattle and you want to shut off all their utilities and power, you're actually going to affect a wider range in that area there and essentially punish other people. Not saying it couldn't work, I'm just saying these are factors that are being considered. Now, historically, in some of these countries, when we start seeing things get to this point, what starts happening next? Well, we start seeing people shoot each other. So one of the things we're seeing now is 
there was a member of, I think, a Patriot group. He was definitely a right-wing guy who was in a situation. He was armed. I think he was protecting a statue or something. He was charged by a mob and taken to the ground. He returned fire and shot some people. And he was charged with murder. When that happened, my first thought was, this charge is not going to last. And it didn't. Because there's no way you're going to convict that guy of that. So now, well, that's a good thing. Because he should not have been charged. Now it's been broadcast nationally that if you defend yourself correctly, even if you get charged, it's going to go away. Now, a lot of people that own firearms know this, but now they've seen it. Now, I'm not saying people are going to go out there and instigate this stuff, but we might see more people openly acting to defend themselves in those situations. Why is that a big deal? Because historically in these other nations, when this happens, the reason citizens start to stand up and try to stop what they would generally call the dumb shit or whatever's going on that's completely disrupting society, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, that they are causing a disruption is because just like enforcement agencies backing down, the governments don't really do or say much to stop it. And because the citizenry doesn't like it, they try to stand up and stop it themselves, which eventually does lead, if it goes on long enough, to some sort of act that may or may not be a civil war. But here's the thing. This is why I don't often use the term civil war, especially during the Obama administration and then leading up into the Trump administration, although it's happened before that. A lot of patriots and right-wing guys always thought, oh, the Civil War is coming, the Civil War is coming. And all their arguments for it were because they believed their armed standoff was correct. Same guys believe that the left-wing guy's armed standoff now is wrong. Thing is, they're actually pretty similar in principle. They're doing it for very similar reasons, just under different ideologies. I'm not saying either is right, wrong, or indifferent. Of course, we could look at our own current history and say the guys that were more on the right didn't necessarily disrupt society where the guys on the left look like they are, and I understand that. But everything was always around gun control. I was like, okay, I get that, but I don't think you're there yet. And the thing is, the results of those situations that mostly didn't happen, nothing went past possibly doing a standoff and some people got arrested. But if we look at the current situation now compared to history, one of the things we see is what is happening now in many countries, either at that time or when a war happens and over, they go back to the time frame like now and look at that as the start of the Civil War. Meaning, you could argue based on historical principle and actions that we currently actually have or are in the beginning of an actual civil war in this country. Now, should you panic or freak out because of this? No. If it causes you some anxiety, I would just simply say you're not paying attention as much as you think you are. But it's something to be aware of and consider. People tend to think when major events like this happen that they can see it coming. No, they can't. They usually don't. Also, the ones that don't think we're there now or we're advocates of believing it would happen but say it won't now aren't paying attention to smaller signs. I'll give you a simple example. I've made it known to people that I'm from Seattle. Presuming that this virus and all this other stuff doesn't get out of control, I've already made plans to go visit family on Labor Day. And I usually have a couple of typical routes with some minor deviations I take depending on the time of year. When I was talking to David from DMR Publications, I said, look, You know, it typically takes me a couple of days to make that drive. It might take me five or six days because just based on what's going on right now, the rapid changes that we've forecasted and seen in the last few months between me, him, and some other people, like Luke from An Informed State of Mind, and making a real general consensus of what may happen just two and a half months from now, I'm looking at driving a completely ridiculous out of my way through Arizona to avoid major cities just to get up to probably Utah instead of California or Nevada. And then all these different loop arounds to avoid all these major, you know, built up areas where urban activity is even already out of control or potentially will be 
just to make my way to Seattle so I can see family. And I was like, man, I'm going to have to plan a longer stay maybe because right now total drive time will probably be three times that, four times that of the entire length of my stay. Not to mention that I have Arizona plates on my vehicle and currently there's a travel ban to some states here. Now we've already seen on some of the East Coast areas when COVID broke out when there was travel bans that traveling from state to state, they had law enforcement out there and sometimes National Guard trying to tell people to be under quarantine. So let's say that happens and I drive out of Arizona to another state and that's what they tell me. Well, that's great, but what happens when I get farther into the state or to the next border and they see I'm from two states away? What if they're tracking people? I mean, contact tracing is just a form of tracking. You know, one of the things we see historically when these events happen and they built up into civil unrest going into perhaps a civil war is one of the things the governments will do, whether it's their national or local governments, will actually keep lists of people that are disruptors or cause problems based on how they see them. Not always processed convicted criminals or people charged with crimes or people that contribute or support the unrest. What happens if they want to put people on that list? What happens if I drive through a state and they want to track me as a guy coming out of there. And then four hours later, I'm on the other side of the state. And they're like, whoa, this is the information you told those guys four hours ago. Now, does that seem unrealistic? I bet you if I said this four or five months ago, it would. But right now, I don't think that's so far-fetched in some situations. One of the things you'll find out when you read that article by Peter Turchin, and this is easily can be found if you do some of your own research, even on a limited basis, is when these cycles happen, whether it's civil war or not, the unrest that grows and gets out of control, which right now is not like anything we've ever seen before. It tends to last anywhere from like five to 15 years. So a lot of people say, well, this is happening because of the election. That story's been told for actions that have happened in the last several elections, even before the 21st century. So that's a non-starter argument. But five years, what if five-year minimum is true? Well, we're in the last year of the current administration's first term, and everything says he'll probably be elected and go in the second term. And I get some people say he won't be elected. But just a little tidbit of information. There are major corporations, big ones that don't really contribute a lot to political parties, that pay a lot of people years before an election to go around the country. And they do all kinds of research for like a year, year and a half and forecast the realistic possibility who's going to be elected. And the reason they do it is because these companies have national and international portions of their business and they want to forecast what potential changes will happen so they don't lose so much money so they can make the changes ahead of time in order to combat or coincide with whatever policy changes may happen. Some of these companies do support and are very openly supportive of certain political parties, but they don't ignore the results of this research. They've been doing this for decades and they've always been right 100% of the time and they've always agreed on the results between the companies 100% of the time. When this research was completed last year, everything said Trump would win. However, we're in a situation now we've never been in before, so it's entirely possible. So when I was talking to David, he's like, well, what if Biden was to win? What would happen? Well, we would, of course, see changes. It would just lead to believe that based on history, we may see changes that support or deny current activities going on right now because our presidential administrations seem to go in swinging on the last year, year and a half of the previous administration, depending on how far they get determines how much changes there are. So that's one possibility. What happens if Biden wins? Well, while president can come out and say some things and do some things, it's really going to matter on what really happens with governors, state and federal congresses, and even Supreme Court justices at the state and federal level. In the long term, that's a bigger thing. 
But looking at history and the unrest we have now, what happens if Trump wins? You know, right now we're seeing police backing down, which I don't blame them for doing so. We see police quitting because of things like that shooting of the guy named Rashad, which I'll just throw out there. If you look at that and what happened, everything up to including the shooting was legit and should have happened that way. It's unfortunate it couldn't. After the shooting, what they did, yes, that was definitely wrong. We're seeing the use of the military, some to support the COVID response, National Guard being activated, whether the state's paying for it or not, assisting in COVID and other response. Here in Arizona, they want to start using the National Guard to track and enforce contact tracing, depending on the state governments, whether they tend to be liberal or conservative, and whether or not they've activated their National Guards, they're starting to use them in different purposes that may or may not seem contradicting to the other state. We, of course, have an expanding, looks like potentially starting to grow, cycle of COVID spreading. The president's come out and said, yeah, we don't want to have chokeholds anymore. Get that. But what happens if he wins? What happens if we continue down this same path? Well, while conservatives don't generally see anything wrong with what the president's done, liberals do. That's just normal. But with things going on right now, we've got already all this armed response, autonomous zones, and things happening that have historically happened at the beginning of civil unrest going to a much larger significant scale in other countries. If this stuff is still going on at that point, and then he wins, what happens? What happens with riots, so-called protests? And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of legit protests as well as legit protesters out there. But there's also a lot of rioting. And it's not being stopped. There's places across this country, just start looking at the major cities, that stuff is still going on. The violence is still happening. The attacks on people is still happening. Now they're taking over property and declaring it not the United States. Now they're responding guarding those areas being armed. What happens if that's still going on? They're already getting away with rioting now, much more than they ever have been before. What happens if that's still going on in just a few months? Okay, that's only five months away. Then the president wins. What do you think is going to happen? Do you really think if this is still going on five months from now that they're not going to ramp it up a little bit? What happens then? Now we're already starting to see citizens And plenty of them are Democrats, even socialists coming out saying a lot of this stuff is stupid, starting to stand up and say or do things to protest the protesters or protest the rioters or just coming out on social media, famous people, not famous people, all kinds of different media personalities. Some are supporting it. Some are saying it's wrong. Same with politicians. What happens in five months? Because one of the things you'll find, especially in recent history, is that in a lot of these areas where unrest has happened and become a civil war or something that looks like a civil war, there also just happens to be election in those time frames. It's not because they're set around elections. It's because they go on for so long. You know, ask yourself this question. How long did the Arab Spring go on and how many countries was it in? Take a wild guess and go look it up. These things go on in these countries a lot longer than most people realize. If you don't think this is that serious, look at the protests going along around the world about racism. Racism in America and other countries. People in Europe are rioting because we're rioting in the United States. There's also plenty of people having peaceful demonstrations about racism and what's going on in America right now. Take a look at all the stories about people that are black that have been found hung in trees recently. There's a lot of them. Do a search and account about all the people, not just assaulted, look for the people that have been killed since these protests started. Look up how many cities have locations that have had successfully or failed autonomous zones. Look up all the locations where there are armed people on rooftops that we're not seeing on the news anymore, if we ever did, and who they are because they're from both sides of the fence. 
And if you're wondering why isn't this reported, is it because it's so big? No, it's because we know media outlets tend to support political ideologies. Most of them tend to be liberal in this country. Some are conservative. So when there's some sort of protest, even if it's a riot, and conservatives go on rooftops to protect businesses with rifles, that tends to make it on the media when the media is liberal. But if liberals are doing it, you're not going to see it on the media. Take a look at all the people, not just famous people, but citizens who have left their major political parties. I can't remember the name of the movement that started during the first Trump administration, but it's peaked its head again in the last couple of months of people doing videos, especially on Facebook and Twitter, talking about the traditional democratic beliefs that they follow. I'm a liberal. Here's what I think. Here's what the Democratic Party is doing. Here's how they treat people. And I'm not down with that. I'm leaving the party. A lot of Republicans are like, hey, that's great. I don't know why you think that's great. Don't assume that they're going to vote Republican. But you know what you got now? Republicans leaving the Republican Party. You'll find historically these are the types of things that have happened in other countries where people have left political parties. The other thing, too, if you want to look at this objectively, is there's really nobody to blame. Don't try to blame anybody. Don't blame an ideology. Don't blame a political belief. Don't blame a president. Don't blame a congressman. It's really no individual's fault. Just like an economic cycle, if you put the research and time in this, you'll find out when the right ingredients are there, this will happen in a country even a modern one, eventually. Look at Hong Kong right now. Look at the Kurds in Syria. Look at the Kurds in Iraq. Look at South Africa. No matter what you think about racism, real racism, the most unequal country in the world is probably South Africa. One of the things Peter Turchin wrote in that paper was, in South Africa in 2010, like 26 years after the end of apartheid, they still had daily riots and protests. People rioting, not just protesting in the streets 26 years later. A lot of that's still going on. Take a look at when Argentina collapsed and what happened there, how long it took, the reasons behind it, what happened to the people. Take a look at Venezuela, what's going on now, what happened under the previous leadership. Take a look at the USSR, and some of you are too young to know what the USSR is. That's what Russia used to be, except for it was most of those countries and states over there belonged to the USSR. Take a look at how that fell apart and what happened. You will find some significant differences or significant individual things to those locations, but you will find a lot of similarities that line up and say, here's what's going to happen. You put enough time and research into it, you'll find a lot of places historically, even up through modern times, have gone through this same cycle and nothing ever happened. And here's the thing too, which one's the right answer? Which one's good, bad, or indifferent? It depends on the situation in those countries, whether or not it's viewed as good, bad, and indifferent. It also depends on what your opinion is and whether or not you view it good, bad, and indifferent. And then in history, it depends on who writes those history books. Take a look at our own American Revolution. What was the recipe there? What are the things that happened 20, 30, 40, 50 years leading up to the revolution? Now, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just saying that right now we're on that path. In the last podcast, I mentioned some information without getting specific that I forecasted I couldn't talk about. That when it came out, I told my buddies, hey, here's what happened. That was about Antifa and the autonomous zones. That was being tracked. See, a lot of people out there, especially guys that are more on the right, think Antifa is a joke. And it's because they see all the videos of them you know, shooting guns and they look like idiots. And When I used to train groups out here, I'd be like, I don't know why you're laughing. You guys don't shoot any better than them. Or a lot of people see these Antifa videos of guys not realizing these memes may or may not really be Antifa. They're just things people make up to be funny. 
or that it's people who do satire against Antifa. Antifa has been very quiet, planning things for a long time. That's why this was being tracked in an attempt to stop it. Some people say, well, Antifa is not really a threat. Oh, yes, it is. They have the numbers. You're crazy if you don't think they have the numbers. They have the numbers. They also have firearms and equipment and gear. They've been armed at protests, historically, not just in current times. They're also not afraid to act. They're a lot more active, a lot more violent, a lot more openly against the institutions and what they're doing than patriot groups have been in the last few years. And no matter how you look at them or the activities of patriot groups, it depends greatly on you as an individual because some see one as good, some see one as bad. Some see both as good, some see both as bad. And I don't necessarily think anybody's wrong in that. It just depends on your individual view. Some people might wonder, well, what can I do? My question is, what have you been doing? Even if you've done nothing, what have you changed about your life, your habits, and how you prepare and have your basic needs met since the COVID outbreak happened? When it got to your area, based on what lockdowns were, what they were forced or not forced, what was enforced, instead of just being on a social media as a warrior, what have you really done in your life to prepare and change for that? You know, what about all the people that trashed on 2019 were waiting for 2020? I bet they wish it was 2019 again. 2019 was boring. Yeah, well, we don't have boring right now. So what if that was to happen? What are you going to do about it? Because most people just ignore it. They're pessimistic about it. They procrastinate and then things happen. To me, it's very simple. Ask yourself some realistic questions about things that have happened in this country, even in just the last few months. And what if they happen near you? Now, I get it. If you live on a ranch in the middle of nowhere and you're self-sufficient, the odds of things coming to you are far less likely. But most of the population is closer to more populated areas. But even small towns, you could run into these issues. Do you ever notice, if you didn't look it up, it wasn't Black Lives Matter, it was Antifa was going and having protests in places they've never done it before. Part of what they've been doing are test runs for something bigger that's going beyond the autonomous zones as a potential growth and escalation. They've gone to places that are notoriously small, conservative little communities. And they showed up there and did their protests and they were peaceful about it. Why were they doing that? They were gauging the response of those areas and those locations are strategic to see how much law enforcement presence there is, how many people come out, what do they look like, how do they behave. They're strategically located far from most likely a lot of significant backup law enforcement and military support, which means there's other targeted locations where something may happen. In some of the liberal areas, they tend to get a little more violent because they can get away with it. But the idea is to see what's the emergency response, what's the police really going to do. How much can we get away with? And these places are also strategically located farther away, typically, from more law enforcement backup support and military. They're not stupid in what they're doing. Not saying they're the new enemy or that they're all necessarily bad or that there aren't other things that could happen, but that's the current name on it right now. So ask yourselves these questions. What happens if a protest turns in a riot and it comes to your neighborhood or gets close enough that you're not comfortable being there with your family? What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? How quickly can you get in your vehicle and leave? What basic supplies do you have and how long do you have to be gone for? You know, are you just going to assume you're going to throw some clothes in the car and take a drive and maybe get a hotel somewhere? Okay, that might sound good if it just comes to your local neighborhood in a small town, but what happens if it's widespread, bigger than you know, thousands of people? What happens if that area is really falling apart like we're seeing in some cities right now? What happens if in your area an autonomous zone is declared and people come in it? And if your answer is, well, I'm not worried about it because my neighborhood has this or I have guns, ignore that. Guns don't matter if you're outnumbered. 
they will help you. But if people really want to take down somebody with a firearm, they can. So the question is, how do you get out of there? What happens? Where do you go? What happens if you have to drive long distance? What happens if there's roads and places shut down or they don't want to let you into areas because of things like contract tracing or because of things like travel bans in the States? What are you going to do if you're approached on the street or a group of people knock on the door of your house and they're armed and they want you to give them small amounts of cash to prove you support something? What are you going to do if you keep seeing less and less supplies in grocery stores? Because if you aren't tracking it now in a lot of places, things are still limited or less than normal. What happens if that gets more extreme? What are you going to do if you try to go get basic needs met or basic supplies or pay bills and they don't want to let you in a building because you don't have a mask and they're not going to accept pulling your T-shirt open for your face? What are you going to do? What are you going to do if you're able to get out of these situations and evacuate and then you find out there's a checkpoint? A traffic control point manned by armed guards of some sort of extremist organization, maybe even one you support, that they don't know you, so they don't care what you say, and they want your stuff, or they want some money, or they want to know who you are and where you're going, and personal information that wouldn't even be asked by current law enforcement or agencies at this time. What are you going to do? These are all questions I think we should all be asking ourselves if you're not already planned for it. And you should be looking at multiple routes in and out of places because this is spreading. And there's places where I think people wish they knew this stuff already. I mean, granted, I'd love to have thousands and thousands of listeners on every episode of this. But yeah, perhaps some of this stuff would help people if they were to listen to it before this got crazy. But what's going to happen next? That's the question I've been asking since February. What's going to happen next? And every time something happens faster than forecasted or happens and we don't see it. Add on to this all the things going on into the world right now. When I was talking to David, we were talking about China's article coming out, talking about these weapons that they've created that are coming out. And he's like, man, you know, I'm really surprised they're talking about this stuff. And I told him, yeah, I get it. But here's the way I'm looking at it. There's been an ongoing espionage war. I've talked about this on this show. It's been an ongoing espionage war. Typically what happens when your secrets are revealed, it's not because say like China, it's not like China came out and said, we have this stuff because we found out, let's say it was us. And we said, Hey, they've got this stuff. We need to do something about it. That's not typically how the information and secrets are found out. What typically would happen is China would have say spies here spying on whatever. And in the course of their spying and their duties, they would discover that we have found information out that they know is very sensitive, classified or protected. And then they go back to China and say, Hey, Here's what they know. Now, while I don't know that happened in this case, I do know it's very real because I've seen it not only on our end, but other people's end when I worked in the business. So they'll come out and say a little bit about what they have. And it's really to let us know that they know, but to also let us know we don't know everything. It's a game. But why is that important? Well, because one of the things they were talking about was EMP usage. And the thing was, in all the articles I read about it, they just ignored the part where it literally says you have to launch a nuclear warhead to Apogee, basically in the edge of outer space and detonate to get the massive EMP effect. And nobody was discussing the fact that in order to use an EMP, you have to launch a nuke. And then what happens when that nuke detonates at that high of an atmosphere? What happens to us? What happens to the environment? Now, I'm just using that as an example to throw it in, but there are other things going on in the world that are escalating and some are not escalating quite at the pace people think it is. For example, if you're following North Korea, I would call all that not unexpected. Not saying it can't get bad. I'm just saying to me, it's not unexpected. 
But my actual thoughts boil down to this. I think of myself as a pretty smart guy in certain areas. I know David is. We talk a lot, as well as Luke and some other people that I know. And ever since the COVID thing started and going into these protests, as well as other things we've looked at historically when we've talked about it, one thing we've noticed right now, it's happening far more rapidly in this country, whatever comes up, and at a much larger scale than we typically forecast. And then we're now asking ourselves like every week or two, a couple of weeks, what do you think is going to happen next? Because this is going to go into something else or escalate. So that's why I say that if you think of me or David or other people that are saying some similar things as smart people that have forecasted things and been correct, perhaps you should listen to us. Yes, you should always do your own research and never just listen to us, but at least ask yourself those questions. The things that are legitimately happening right now, what happen if they come to you? If you think, well, they won't come to me. Well, that's because they're not there yet. But let's say this continues to go at the pace it is. Let's say they try to do more autonomous zones. Let's say they spread out into more smaller cities like they already have. What if it's your area? What if it's your town? Those things have happened in other places, so they could happen where you're at. You're like, well, I live in this state. That's great and wonderful for you. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen there. The other thing, too, is if you make these plans, you can figure out how to help somebody else. So I would say at least ask yourself those questions. What would I do if this happened? And then make a plan. Get prepared for it. So in order to follow the typical pattern of how long I keep these shows, I would say for me this was very limited. I didn't want to get too deep into this, but these are actually my thoughts on what's going on. I think people should consider questions they should ask themselves, things you should research to look for the patterns, and realize the existing potential of what could happen or escalate, and really look at how it could affect your life, and do understand that even if bad things don't come to your neighborhood, the results of bad things can come to your neighborhood. You know, look at the trucking unions and the truckers right now not wanting to go into an entire state's because of violence and unrest in certain areas of the state. The whole state's not going to get supplies potentially. That could affect you. And there's far more than just the things I've said that are happening. There's a lot going on out there that people aren't seeing, and that's what you should really look at. It's time to stop making fun of the other side, no matter what side you're on. It's time to stop sharing the memes, creating the memes. It's time to really start looking at what happens when this comes to me. Because for a lot of us, it very likely will come to you. And if it continues, it will go to a lot more of you. But it may not hit all of you. But don't get stuck in that bias of thinking it ain't going to happen to me. Figure out what questions you ask yourself. Prepare for it. Start getting more information and figuring out what you can do to protect yourself and your family. And one thing you can look at too is just realize that even though this isn't grade man tradecraft or anything specific about what you can do, that it still applies in the sense of understanding and tracking current events and what's going on in the world, especially in your own areas. This whole country is a region, and then you're in a region of the country, you're in a region of your state or territory, and then you're in a region of perhaps a county. Those are all different types of regions. But one thing you always want to do when you're trying to do anything involving what I talk about as well as anything else, stay up to speed on what's really going along. Dig deeper. Look past the things you like. Look more at the things you don't. Read stuff in other country about what's going on here. Find out why people are doing this or that. Stop ignoring things because you don't like the people. Stop only drinking from the fountain of the person you like. Expand your horizons. And focus heavily on 
how you can not only sustain yourself, but protect you and your loved ones and get to a safe place if something like this comes to you. So hopefully this helps you out. Hope you guys like it. And I'll be putting out a new podcast soon that I think you're all going to enjoy. Might be a little fun or interactive, hopefully. And then we'll have that for you soon right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.